Hey goddess, this episode has quite a bit of foul language in it, so I highly encourage you to put your headphones on or at least wait to listen to this episode until you are in a safe, comfortable space that is free of judgment. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome back. This is Arian Wrights and the Goddess Experience, Episode 2, your go-to podcast for healthy post-trauma living and all the mindset shifts that come with it. And if you don't know me, I'm Arian, an independent, new adult, fempowerment author, and you can learn more about me and my work on my website. That's www.arianwrites.wixsite.com slash goddess. And if you missed the last episode, please go back and start from the beginning of the series because we will not be covering any of last episode's lessons in this episode. Eight and a half years is a lot of information to cram into podcasts and I really want to enhance your value by not repeating myself. Don't worry though, goddess. I will be waiting right here when you get back. I promise. You're worth it. So as you remember, in the last episode, we talked about how my journey began with a traumatic experience and how I'm better now, right? Wrong. As humans on this planet, we will always be learning and growing and changing. It's not, I'm better now, it's I work damn hard to maintain a constantly shifting homeostasis. And as you could tell by the title of this episode, recovery is a bitch. I'm just going to come out right out and say it. It's not easy, it's not fucking fun, and it doesn't always feel good. Recovery is a bitch. And maybe it's easier for someone who goes into traditional therapy right away, but I don't know that. That's not my experience. Traditional therapy has never made sense to me, and so I've rehabilitated myself without medical intervention, and that self-rehab is what I'm talking about when I say recovery is a bitch. However, I also feel like it is an incredibly valid point because whether you prefer traditional or alternative methods, recovery is a bitch because you've got to want it. You've got to want it. You've got to feel the will of the universe coursing through you and crave the reality where you are well. And with addiction recovery, I've heard it repeated over and over and over again. You've got to do it for yourself. And yes, that is 100% true. But with my own personal trauma recovery, I've found that the answer to the question, what do you live for, is crucial. What do you live for? What are your reasons for waking up in the morning, goddess? Is it the sunrise? The songs of the birds? The smell of fresh bread? Snuggles from the cat or dog? What are your reasons for waking up in the morning? What makes you excited to be alive, here, on this planet? I remember when I barely knew the answer to that question, and then I remembered that writing has always been my life raft. And then I remembered that I could be happy and successful without being in a romantic relationship, and then I got crazy lucky and found my twin flame. Love is now my primary reason to live, and I believe that in a healthy relationship that is a perfectly acceptable answer to that question. In a codependent situation, it can turn even healthy relationships into toxic ones. But with the right care and respect, love is a beautiful reason to live. 
A lot of other goddesses in my life managed to find that reason to live within supporting a child. It's the same reason that every one should have some kind of pet that tethers them to an outward sense of responsibility. My healthy relationship gave me a reason to live and a reason to better myself. I know it's an incredible privilege to have found another human being worthy of my being because he helped me see the worth within my soul. And if you don't know me, I'm a romantic. I believe in the power of love and that's just me. The thing about love is that you've got to give love to receive love. But the love you need to give is to yourself. It's hard to it's a hard pill to swallow, but you need to love yourself before you will ever be capable of loving another, no matter how badly you want it. If it if you don't love yourself first, all of your actions are based out of hate. And it's silly to think you can make wise decisions about life when you hate yourself. It was one of the hardest concepts for me to grasp, but it sounds obvious as a fucking mountain when I say it out loud to you now. When you love yourself, love will come. The hard part of recovery is remembering what self-love is. Eradicating the self-deprecating humor, recognizing negative statements, dropping sarcasm and being positive of yourself instead of critical. Did you know that criticism can be really damning? Not criticism with the intent of betterment, but hyper-critiques of any perfectionist are not healthy. And depending on what you've been through, you may have that useful perfectionism branded into your personality with a red-hot cattle rod. Recovery is hard. However many years your toxic and traumatic experiences lasted just makes the recovery period take longer because you have to unleash the toxic behaviors and relearn healthy ones. And that process can hurt a lot. The process is why I wish I could have gotten into therapy a lot earlier in my journey because I had no idea what a healthy relationship was. And maybe if I had an objective guide to show me what healthy behaviors are, I wouldn't have spent eight and a half years figuring out how to heal. <sighs> but it is what it is. And I just fumbled my way through a relationship until I started causing drama in my healthy relationship because all I had ever known in my life was toxic behavior. Yet, Pumpkin was so unbelievably patient with me that I allowed, that I was allowed several opportunities to learn new healthy patterns. So far, I feel like this sounds like a, a canine obedience training course, so I'll give you a more relatable story because that's not at all what it is. So at the beginning of my recovery, I was taken, taking Pumpkin dinner at work, and when I got out of the car, I dropped the bowl of food, shattering it and ruining the food completely. I was overwhelmed and disappointed and guilty. I began sobbing. I felt stupid and incompetent. All the emotions that had been beaten into me in my previous lifetime, <clears throat> we'll just call it that. I had just begun doing some minimal soul work on myself, so at least I understood that the reaction was because of my trauma, but it was so bad. My entire being was shaking with the stored trauma of the past. It ruined my whole night. A few months ago, I had a similar experience. My hand slipped, 
The bowl of food shattered in the kitchen and I was sent spiraling into a flashback of the aforementioned night and any night of my childhood where dishes were broken in one bite or another. And it shook me. I was down for a good 15 minutes. It was the exact same feeling as I had that night at the beginning of my journey over eight years ago. And I just let the tears fall, releasing the trauma releasing the hurt, releasing the pain in the safe, warm kitchen of our apartment over a hundred miles away from where we'd grown up, over a hundred miles away from where I had those previous traumatic experiences that I was still recovering from. And I let it all go, released it back to the universe. After years of studying and finally knowing how to heal, let me tell you, recovery is a bitch. I never been diagnosed with PTSD, but I do feel comfortable claiming it. What I went through should produce PTSD. It'd be kind of alarming if I wasn't dealing with some shit. Trauma over an extended period of time causes PTSD, period, end of story. And I believe that a lot of us can go on living our lives in extreme denial until something major throws us back into reality and we react. For me, it was seeing my ex as a customer at my gas station recently after we had broken up years ago. I had a panic attack at the mere sight of his car. That's when I realized that I had a problem. So I did a lot of journaling to get through, to get the toxicity out of my spirit and managed to avoid therapy by partying and casually conversing about what I'd gone through like it was nothing. I had no idea that telling all of my close coworkers over the years was largely therapeutic. I thought I just enjoyed having freedom again because I've always been a talker. But when I began researching PTSD to bring awareness to it, I came across articles mentioning that not talking about your trauma is one of the biggest avoidance techniques out there. Because when you don't talk about it, you don't even acknowledge the existence of your trauma. To me, that in and of itself is a form of giving away your personal power because you can't control your reaction to something you deny is real. Let that sink in. You can't control your reaction to something that you deny is real. To heal, you must admit that you have wounds. It's a hard pill to swallow, but recovery is a bitch. Recovery is a bitch because you don't know what will bring on a flashback or trigger you. It's not always the same thing or consistent. And as you take care of old triggers, new ones come up. And that's not something I was prepared for because I didn't do my research when I was first starting out. I had limited resources to do so. And I thought that trauma was just one gigantic thing to deal with all at once. And then you're done with it. But what I learned is that it's like a three-tiered cake. You need people to help you eat it and you've got to eat all of it. So at some point it's going to make you sick and you're the one who has to take all the leftovers home and the only way to clear up space in your freezer is by eating the damn thing. That's why recovery is a bitch. And it's not like your favorite cake. No, no, no. Sure, maybe the outer layers are the most enticing red velvet cake you could possibly find, but the more you eat, the more you realize there's different flavors hidden in there, like Birdie Bot's every flavored bean flavors, like dirt and earthworms and boogers, vomit, grass, burnt hair, earwax, hidden within the red velvet and mint chocolate chip. But you have to eat all of it. <laughs> Gross. That's why recovery sucks. <laughs> 
And the only way it really truly works is by having a solid support system. I got really lucky and my partner Pumpkin provided and still provides a galaxy of support even when shit was really hard and my recovery was breaking our relationship down to the foundation so we could build a better, more stable house. And wow, does that hurt. If there's only one thing you take away from this episode, let it be that recovery is not easy, so be gentle with yourself. The only reason I mention it is because I thought it was going to be easy, and I want you to learn from my lessons. I thought it was going to be easy, so I was lax on putting in the work, and it took me eight and a half years to fully let go of it. Eight and a half years, and I still have triggers, but I know how to deal with them. And dealing with them can be a bitch some days, too. I went three or four years before the mall was one of my triggers. I didn't like malls in general after I was out of high school, and I thought that was just growth. The consumerism lifestyle didn't suit me anymore, still doesn't, and if I was immersed in a large crowd of people, I preferred being at an EDM concert or festival. It didn't seem like avoidance at all, it just felt like a natural part of growing up. And then we bought a coat online that didn't fit and needed to go return it in person. And when we got out of the car, I was overwhelmed with anxiety and flashbacks. Thankfully, I had been doing research on PTSD recovery at that time and knew that going in and confronting the anxiety would be way more beneficial to me than ignoring it and going back to the car while Pumpkin returned that cause blessed coat. And it did make me a stronger person, but fuck was it uncomfortable. And it didn't fix it right away either. We'd go to the mall on occasion to patronize GameStop, and for a while, those trips would trigger me too. And I'd just breathe deeply while perusing video games, and sometimes Pumpkin would tightly grab hold of my hand or encapsulate me in a hug from behind to ground me in my current reality. Because studies show that your brain doesn't know the difference between past, present, future, and dreamland. Wow. If you dream about doing something, you'll improve that skill, and the next time you do it in real life, you'll be better. On the other end of that super fascinating spectrum, your brain doesn't know the difference between now and then. So when you smell something, hear something like a name or a sound, or see something, or enter certain buildings, your brain goes back to then. And the trauma associated with that place, the smell, the sound, so on, is what triggers that because your brain thinks you're back where you were at the time of the trauma. I never knew this until I began researching trauma so I could help others move past it the way I have. And this anomaly within the human mind is actually why flashbacks in and of themselves are traumatic and incredibly invasive. Horrible. I don't wish flashbacks on anybody. I've had flashbacks stop me in my tracks and completely consume me. It can ruin your day and it can happen at random. Actually, all of my flashbacks were fairly random. The only one that I could really expect was my intimacy issue when Pumpkin's beard got too long at the beginning of our relationship. Those flashbacks, I think, were the worst because Pumpkin and I have always had a very strong, intimate connection. And when I was having these issues, he'd kiss me and the beard would shoot me reeling back into icky, slimy memories. <clears throat> and I was so heartbroken to have to pull away and tell him to shave. And that's the only thing that it could solve it was like, hey, go shave your beard off. I can't handle this. And that was torture for me. And I think that most of 
the other sporadic flashbacks didn't really start until after I had healed this beard wound. And I got really lucky to have a pumpkin I can trust who gave me a reason to want to resolve the issue and who respected the fact that I had an issue, who would get up and shave his fucking beard off so that I would be comfortable. That respect thing is key for your support system to work. And I can't say entirely how long it took me to work through the main big trigger. I don't remember. Honestly, because I have a healthy connection, I didn't think about it until it was triggered. Eventually, the beard triggers got fewer and farther between, and I'm sure there was a point when I noticed that his full beard wasn't setting me off anymore, and I thanked the cosmos. But because there were so many other triggers to follow after I'd healed that single issue that I'd never saved the date. And for me personally, my flashbacks catch me off guard. For the most part, it was the days or moments when I'd be zipping along, thinking I was doing phenomenally well in my recovery, that something random and unexpected would set me off. I used to take those moments super personally too. Used to think that because I was still open to having flashbacks that I was sucking balls at my healing and I see it the complete opposite way now. I found recently that those triggers and how you respond to them are monuments to your success. In the beginning, those moments are hard, like really hard, but then you realize it's just a reminder it's just a memory, a reminder from the universe to continue getting better and to gain control over the ghosts that haunt you. When you fully connect yourself to your inner goddess, you will find these moments strengthening your soul, even when they break you down. It is only to build you back up. Recovery is a bitch. Just like working out to get that thick, juicy peach emoji beach body. It hurts. It makes you sweat. It makes you cry. And there are no shortcuts other than arming yourself with information. And it is fully worth it. Next episode, I'll talk about how it gets better and why it is worth it to put yourself through that pain for a better, brighter existence. But until then, I do want you to push yourself to grow. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but trust me, goddess, it's worth it. Whether it's right now or as you find time this week, I want you to grab a pen and a notebook and make a list of your known triggers. <laughs> P.S. If you really enjoy this podcast, you should dedicate a notebook to this because I'll have a short exercise for you each week. So write down your known triggers. What gives you anxiety? What gives you flashbacks? Don't worry, I'll go first. So most of these triggers are things that I've already worked on. Your list will be longer or shorter depending on where you are in your journey. So my known triggers have been beards past a certain length, blue-eyed blonde dudes, certain very specific songs, hearing my ex's name, which is a super common name, and ne nearly nine years later, I'm mostly used to it. Certain parts of my hometown tense situations, public conflict between others, like third parties, like if I'm walking through a parking lot and a couple is fighting, that gets me. <laughs> certain TV shows, certain movies, the mall, seeing my ex's car, not the model of car, but just his specific vehicle, <laughs> which is a very distinct vehicle. And, uh, it's a trigger that has followed me 
through my life and I've just had to deal with it because it's a small ass world and even when you move, things can still happen. So what's your list, goddess? Once you've identified your list, it will be easier for you to address your trauma. And why do you want to address your trauma, goddess? Because you're fucking worth it. So until next time, goddess, may peace, love, light, and happiness always be with you. Be gentle with yourself because recovery is not easy. But even though recovery is hard and pushes you like a mean girl on the freaking playground in high school, which don't have playgrounds, but <laughs> even though recovery is a mean girl who gets under your skin and knows how to bother you and um, kicks you when you think that you're up so that you can continue to be down because you need to work harder, it is worth it. And once you realize how difficult recovery can be for some people, I believe it is easier for you to look that bitch in the face, give her a hug, and say thank you for going through this journey with me recovery because I need you. And it's hard, but we're gonna make this work. I love you, goddess. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.